Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky Chikrin on Tumblr. Comma. Hi, I'm Comma, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And we have two guests, Daphne. Hi, I'm Daphne, and you can find me at Boleyn on Tumblr. And Ellie. Hi, I'm Ellie. You can find me at Attention Deficit Dash Aptitude on Tumblr. Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll link to it when we post. <laughs> I know. I just like teasing all the other people with difficult names like mine. <laughs> okay. So we're continuing our read of the Catelyn chapters from A Game of Thrones. So obvious spoilers for the books, the Song of Ice and Fire series, potentially the show. Um, we have the beginning of this chapter with Ned, the girls, and the king's party, um, all heading south. Um, Catelyn remains with Bran at his bedside. Maester Lewin wants to go over the household budget, but Catelyn is not up for it. Maester Lewin is persistent and declares they have several stations to fill at the castle. Catelyn loses her temper on the maester, and uh, we have Rob who enters, and uh, he, or sorry, we have Rob who offers to take over the duties of making the appointments himself. Rob dismisses Lewin and asks his mother what she is doing, and I just selected a little bit. Um, what am I doing? She echoed, puzzled. How can you ask that? What do you imagine I'm doing? I'm taking care of your brother. I'm taking care of Bran. Is that what you call it? You haven't left this room since Bran was hurt. You didn't even come to the gate when father and the girls went south. I said my farewells to them here and watched them ride out from that window. She had begged Ned not to go. Not now. Not after what had happened. Everything had changed now. Couldn't he see that? It was no use. He had no choice, he had told her. And then he left, choosing. I can't leave him, even for a moment. Not when my moment could be his last. His last. I have to be with him. If, if she took her son's limp hand, sliding his fingers through her own, he was so frail and thin, with no strength left in his hand, but she could still feel the warmth of the life through his skin. Rob's voice softened. He isn't going to die, mother. Maester Lewin said the time of greatest danger has passed. And what if Maester Lewin is wrong? What if Bran needs me when I'm not here? Rickon needs you, Rob said sharply. He's only three. He doesn't understand what's happening. He thinks everyone has deserted him. So he follows me all around all day, clutching my legs and crying. I don't know what to do with him. He paused a moment, chewing on his lower lip, the way he'd done when he was little. Mother, I need you too. I'm trying, but I can't. I can't do it all by myself. His voice broke with a sudden emotion, and Catelyn remembered that he was only 14. She wanted to get up and go to him, but Bran was still holding her hand, and she could not move. <sighs> oh. uh, those poor kids. <laughs> I feel so bad. This is the start of Rickon. Everyone leaving Rickon. 
Poor everyone. Poor everyone. Read this series. <laughs> I don't know. What, <laughs> what gets me is it's kind of a real sharp reminder for people rereading, like ourselves, just like how young Rob is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I thought of that. He doesn't act like a real 14 year old. It's kind of insane, really. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like a. I mean, he does in some. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe in his choices, but he'll. The way he speaks. I think after Bran fell, especially, it was when Rob, him, like, as a person, or as a 14-year-old kid, was like, I need to mature pretty quickly now. Because mm-hmm. he knows he's the the heir to his father's seat, and his father is leaving for ever, basically. Um <laughs> And he's like, oh, suddenly presented with all this responsibility, especially watching his mother unravel before his eyes. He has to kind of step in and be like, okay, you need to be a mom or I need to be a lord. And I kind of don't want to be a lord yet. So. I need my mom. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. You always need your mom. I mean, that's, I mean, it doesn't matter how old you get. I mean, there's a part of you that always, it, I don't know, it's just. It's it's doubly tragic because we know what's going to happen too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't make any of this any easier to read. <laughs> well, that's it. Like you're reading this and you're just like, oh, it doesn't get any better from here. <laughs> it well, gets worse. If you're reading this for the first time, you have all these hopes and dreams. And if you're listening to us, you know, <laughs> not knowing what's happening, I'm really sorry for you. But um, <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. It doesn't end well. don't you miss that like first read feeling of like wow maybe things will turn out well let me keep going (laughs) (laughs) yeah back when we were in that rob he seems like someone i can root for in the long term (laughs) go starts (laughs) i can't tell you how many times throughout the series especially when there'd be those moments where Callan would want to go back to winterfell and i'd be like oh that'll be great the kids desperately need her and then (laughs) not happening <laughs> you thought <laughs> i think too like i kind of picked this that passage because i it really contrasts with the catlin we'll see at the end of the chapter like we, like she's really unhinged you know i mean yeah she's completely different i mean she's i i don't know if it mentions but it seems like she hasn't slept in days she hasn't like bathed she probably has barely eaten she's just sitting here staring at her son watching him sleep for days and freaking everybody out right yeah Yeah. (laughs) always a good time to go make life-changing decisions Mm -hmm. (laughs) after you've had sleep psychosis Mm -hmm. (laughs) well and it's good to talk about what's happened in between here and that is that you know Ned has left with Robert. He's taken both the girls with him. You know, John has been sent off. Like, there have been huge changes. And and Rob is clearly having to deal with the changes, and Kat has just checked out of them. He's like, do you even realize what's happened? Do you even understand? Right. And and it's, it is, it's really, it is, it's so hard to see. Because it's like, the harder Catelyn tries to hold on to the people she loves, like, the more she loses... It's yeah. really terrible. Yeah. yeah. Everything's against her, and she doesn't even realize. Okay, so Catelyn becomes agitated when the wolves begin to howl outside, and Rob um, identifies them by their howls. It's summer, then he's joined by Shay. she's joined by Shaggy Dog and Grey Wind. Um, 
Catelyn yells at Rob to make them stop. She says, kill them all if you must. She falls to the floor and Rob helps her up. Um, telling her she needs to rest. And I could see why maybe this is where the early Catelyn hate might start. <laughs> she's like, well, yeah. She almost reminds me of Cersei in this moment where she's just like, I don't care. I don't care. Slaughter them all. I just want, I need what I need. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a popular and- move to be killing the wolves. <laughs> No, and I think that's a, I think that's a direct, I think that is something that George wants you to think about is let's like, you know, this, this is the reaction of a mother to just kind of react irrationally. But then you see Catelyn, you know, you realize that, oh, she's irrational because she hasn't slept for weeks and she's, you know, exhausted and completely strung out. Yeah. So Catelyn does refuse to sleep. She's afraid that Bran will die if she does. And um, the dogs outside start barking. And there is a fire in the library tower. And Catelyn is relieved that, you know, it's nowhere near Bran's room. Rob dashes out to help deal with the fire. And then Cat watches the flames from the window. And when she turns back, there is a stranger in the room. And I have the passage selected. Um, you weren't supposed to be here, he muttered sourly. No one was supposed to be here. He was a small, dirty man in filthy brown clothing, and he stank of horses. Catelyn knew all the men who had worked in their stables, and he was none of them. He was gaunt with limp blonde hair and pale eyes, deep sunk in a bony face, and there was a dagger in his hand. Catelyn looked at the knife, then at Bran. No, she said, the words stuck in her throat, the merest whisper. He must have heard her. It's a mercy, he said. He's dead already. No, Catelyn said, louder than now as she found her voice again. No, you can't. She spun back toward the window to scream for help, but the man moved faster than she would have believed. One hand clamped down over her mouth and yanked back her head. The other brought the dagger up to her windpipe. The stench of him was overwhelming. She reached up with both hands and grabbed the blade with all her strength, pulling it away from her throat. She heard him cursing into her ear. Her fingers were slippery with blood, but she would not let the day, let go of the dagger. The hand over her mouth clenched more tightly, shutting off her air. Catelyn twisted her head to the side and managed to get a piece of his flesh between her teeth. She bit down hard on his palm. The band grunted in pain. She ground her teeth together and tore at him, and all of a sudden he let her go. The taste of his blood filled her mouth. She sucked in the air and screamed, and he grabbed her hair and pulled her away from him. And she stumbled and went down, and then he was standing over her, breathing hard, shaking. The dagger was still clutched tightly in his right hand, slick with blood. You weren't supposed to be here, he repeated stupidly. I can't help myself. I gotta (laughs) gotta read the gory bits. (laughs) I love what a low-rent assassin he is. He's really painted it well, right? You're not supposed to be here. It's like, they didn't tell me about this part. You know, nobody told me that you were going to be in this room, and this is not fair, and oh, man, you know, it's like, oh, my God, dude, just do your job. (laughs) Was it 90 90 silver stakes too many? (laughs) Well, it's funny that you, like, mentioned that earlier is when the Catelyn hate really gets stirred up because this chapter was really what made me love Catelyn as a character because even though she is kind of like she has her faults for sure but she's just like so badass (laughs) and it's just like no I'm going to protect my son at any cost and I'm going to protect myself at any cost and just like the grabbing of the dagger was always so visceral to me and like oh god it like gives me chills (laughs) 
Yeah, it is a badass move. Like, it's just mama bear mode. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah, fun but- because the first part of the chapter, I remember uh, reading going, oh, my God, lady, you got, like, four other kids who need you. And you have this castle that's falling. Of course, I, you can tell I'm childless. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very logical when thinking the fight there. happens with the assassin, I remember thinking, oh, my God, she is this, this, yeah, this force. Yeah. But you know what I was thinking when I read this chapter is you see a lot of parallels with uh, the Red Wedding Leader, especially when the assassin, mm-hmm. like, yanks at her hair and the dagger mm-hmm. at her throat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I kept seeing stuff like that. And there's um, there's a passive later, which I thought it was a little bit weird. <laughs> now reading it afterwards, but where she says uh, she thinks about Bran's laughter, and she says she'll never hear his laughter again. Yeah, and which she seems true. so yeah, which is true. But it's like it's crazy how sure she was that he was gonna die. Yeah, it it is a really eerie foreshadow of the Red Wedding. You see yeah. how you see in this chapter, number one, how hard she will fight for her kids, and it's a it's a really good foreshadow of the fact that she's willing to do something like kill Jingle Bell, you know, mm-hmm. in an effort to save Rob eventually. But there's also a really eerie thing about it, which is that she's willing to fight. You know, here she is grabbing this. I mean, I think I think it's been discussed to death that it's weird in retrospect that this was a Valyrian steel dagger because it really is probably not something she could have just grabbed and pulled away from her throat if it really were Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, she grabs this dagger. She saves her. She literally grabs the blade and pulls it away from her throat. And she just fights and fights and fights to live so that she can protect her kids. And it is an eerie foreshadow of how at the Red Wedding she will just quit and allow her throat to be sliced open because she's Mm -hmm. done. Sorry, it's really emotional. It's really hard to see how cat, you know, they, they, just, the life is bled out of her from this yeah. point onward in the story. Mm. Well, yeah, because by the time the red wedding rolls around, she like robbed is it of the last of her kids, at least as far as she knows. As far as she well, knows, Sansa's alive, but married to Tyrion and, and probably so soon to basically be dead, dead to her. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> probably not with the great life expectancy at that point. No. Yeah. No. At least as far as she knows, so. Okay. Um, so we have Bran's wolf who's slipped into the room and attacks the man, ripping out his throat. Cat thinks, um, thanks Summer, and then the wolf licks her hands, the blood off her hands, and then jumps onto the bed with Bran. And Catelyn begins to laugh hysterically until Maester Lewin and Sir Roderick find her. They take her to the Great Keep, <laughs> where Old Nan bathes her. Maester Lewin tends to her wounds and gives her milk of the poppy. And finally, Cat sleeps. She sleeps four I days. I love this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, she sleeps for four fucking days. I'm like, oh, you just kind of love everything about this. Like, number one, there's the whole thing of, like, clearly before this point, you know, there's kind of a, an underlying message that Kat is not taking seriously the, I'm going to just say, the realities of the North, the fact that things work differently in the North. I mean, the fact that she's so insistent that the direwolves stay outside, she doesn't want them howling, she's like telling Rob to kill them at the beginning of the chapter. And then it's funny how she gets this piece as she kind of accepts, you know, the, the northernness of her children and, and the fact that, you know, that they're not exactly direct copies of her she actually talks in the chapter about how 
Rob and Bran and Sansa and Rickon all look so much like her, mm-hmm. you know, like she has kind of thought of them as many hers and she's kind of accepting that they're their own people with their own identities and that a lot of their identity is wrapped up in the North and the direwolves and everything. It's kind of a cool, like, I don't know, moment of understanding for her. I kind of, I kind of love the way that George did it. And I also love that she sleeps for four fucking days because like, haven't we all had those moments? <laughs> yeah, I'm having it tonight actually. <laughs> Fighting a head cold. <laughs> I'm so dramatic, Hi. just like Catelyn. <laughs> not that much of a wreck. I know you love the gore, but don't go Lady Stoneheart on us. <laughs> no, I, I, um, the one thing I will say that's been interesting though in the first two Catelyn chapters is that there is that sort of, you know, very southern political kind of, um, attitude of hers, but at the same time, she is troubled by like the imagery of the stag and the dire wolf and she is there is sort of a an instinct at play um earlier and i think it's just it's just getting stronger mhm yeah i think um i think it's i think too like just the fact that she's like going back to that she's going to sleep now for 4 days um and then having, do you think the acceptance part of the North is symbolic with like letting that wolf lick her hands? Tricky. Is that kind of what you were? Yeah. 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 yeah Cause that, that, that was a question I have for later on in the chapter when we see that she's completely different by the second half of this chapter, but we'll get there. Um, well, yeah. And uh, I was going to say that even in previous chat, like her introduction to the story is how uncomfortable she is in the North, even though she's lived there for years and years. So it is kind of this very intense moment where the wolf is licking her hands and she's just like, and even more later, the evidence of her acceptance of the North. It seems interesting that it took her this long, but of course it took something so intense for her to be like, no, this is who I am now. This is who my children are. Yeah, so, okay, mm-hmm. so this is, a little so bit this weird is timing my life. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that, and then you get the hysterical laughter, because you would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but it's so weird timing, too. She, like, accepts her identity, and then she leaves for King's Landing and never comes back. Oh. Yeah. 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 So she, after her four-day nap, she's ashamed at how she had been um, acting, and now she's determined to show these northerners how strong a Tully can be. Um, Rob Theon and a uh, guardsman named uh, Hallis Mullen arrives, and she demands to know who the attacker was, and they don't know. Cat suspects one of the king's men or perhaps a Lannister man. Rob tells her they found 90 stags buried in the straws in the horse's stable. Catelyn mutters, It's good to know my son's life was not sold cheaply. The men are shocked by the accusation, and Rob argues against the idea. You know, why would anyone want to hurt a helpless boy? Catelyn is like, Use your head, Rob. Why would anyone want to kill a sleeping child? <laughs> Fortunately, he doesn't take more of that advice later on. But yeah, this is her the first and, moment she's testing him, right? Yeah. I, Did you notice too? There's like a moment where Theon is like, "Yeah, who would kill these helpless this helpless boy? Who would do this? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of monster?" <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Talking about how much he owes her. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard to swallow what Theon throws down in this chapter, but well, I think he means it now. That's not the problem. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I think that's part of the tragedy of Theon. I mean, I think he does mean it. It's just later that we, you know, it's just like yeah, his resolve is wanting. So the food arrives. Cat uh, speaks to uh, Lewin about Bran, and uh, Rob figures out, you know. Why Bran, why, uh, why somebody would attack Bran and he figures out it's because somebody, he knows something and they don't want him to wake up. So Catelyn has this moment of pride that her son figured it out so quickly. Rob orders men to guard Bran and his wolf is to be allowed to stay in the room. Roderick brings the attacker's dagger out and it's too fine a weapon for the creep. Uh, Cat tells Rob to close the door <laughs> and come here. No, no, she doesn't say that. <laughs> no, no, no. Although on the show. <laughs> does have amazing chemistry, but no. I mean, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's all over that DVD commentary, right? <laughs> Phrases oh, yeah, a little too eagerly. How he looks in the kilts. And... Okay, I would read it. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't read it, Tom. Yeah, I don't think I have. I have read some really good um, Rob Roost porn, but I don't think I've read anything <laughs> with them. Of course and, you have. Uh, <laughs> Rob. So Cat reveals her suspicions. Um, she says, what I'm about to tell you must not leave this room. I want your oaths on that. If even part of what I suspect is true, Ned and my girls have ridden into deadly danger and a word in the wrong ears could mean their lives. Lord Eddard is a second father to me, said Theon Greyjoy. I do so swear. You have my oath, Maester Lewin said. And mine, my lady, echoed Sir Roderick. She looked at her son. And you, Rob? He nodded his consent. My sister Lysa believes that Lannisters murdered her husband, Lord Eyre, in the hand of the king, Catelyn told them. It comes to me that Jamie Lannister did not join the hunt the day Bran fell. He remained here in the castle. The room was deathly quiet. I do not think Bran fell from that tower, she said into the stillness. I think he was thrown. The shock was plain on their faces. My lady, that is a monstrous suggestion, said Roderick Castle. Even the Kingslayer would flinch at the murder of an innocent child. Oh, would he? Theon Greyjoy asked. I wonder. There is no limit to Lannister pride or Lannister ambition, Catelyn said. The boy had always been sure-handed in the past, Maester Lewin said thoughtfully. He knew every stone in Winterfell. Gods, Rob swore, his young face dark with anger. If this is true, he will pay for it. He drew his sword and waved it in the air. I'll kill him myself. (laughs) (sighs) And it begins. (laughs) Oh, great. Just imagery of Rob, like, pulling out a full sword and just waving it around. <laughs> I mean, he is, like, such a teenage boy in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just a kid. Yeah. Um, I love how he's immediately scolded, too, and is like, put that away. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay, mom. <laughs> um, oh, in all of this, I just, I love how simultaneously authoritative Catelyn is while still like helping to draw Rob out into the responsibility as well. Um, like she's just such a good mom. She is. <laughs> she is like, she's just like 
quizzing him and pulling him into this and being like, no, this is your job now. Like, come on, use your brain. Let's do this. <laughs> I gotta, I, I, I have to love to the, the bits where we get Jamie Lannister mentions and just like, cause we're all being led on here, you know, in this sense. We don't know much about him at this point, right? I think it's great. <laughs> Well, I thought it was funny that they immediately jumped to Jamie Lannister. <laughs> like, no, yeah. There's no one else you suspected? No, just Jamie? Okay. She was right, though. Like, she put two or two together pretty well here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, yeah, and he would throw a child out a window. <laughs> I mean, he absolutely would. <laughs> That's not bad. I mean, we all love the dude, but, yeah, he, he did do that. <laughs> Let's not forget. He did. He did. Son of a bitch. Anyway, <laughs> so Maester Lewin I mean, is... Oh, what's that? So I was going to say, I mean, he's not the one who overpaid for the, the low-ran assassin, but yeah, he totally did throw that kid out the window. <laughs> so Maester oh Lewin is God, a, yeah. a bit more pragmatic, and he says we must have proof or forever keep silent. Sir Roderick says the dagger is the proof, and Catelyn realizes that someone must go to King's Landing. Rob, he immediately volunteers, and Catelyn tells him no. She climbs out of bed and declares, I must go myself. Lewin and Rob object. Uh, Rob asks about Bran, and Cat claims he's in the gods and the Maester Lewin's hands now. She decides to take Roderick's offer to accompany her to King's Landing, but they will not be taking the King's Road. She wants to leave from White Harbor um, by boat, beating both Ned and the Lannisters to King's Landing. So, yeah, two things. She, like, the the fact that she really changed her stance so quickly from going, you know, it's like a complete 180 from wanting to be by mm-hmm. Bran's side. And to it's amazing what a little sleep can do for your decision making. Bran? <laughs> Who's Bran? No, sorry. <laughs> And I guess too. Well, it's it's like an emotional retrenching. It's like she's got to go. Yeah. Okay, I I have to. You know, I I can't just worry about one child. Like yeah. they're all. You know, they're all at risk. So I, yeah. you know, I've got to make better decisions. And this is something she will grapple with. <laughs> from this point <laughs> <forward>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's nice to see her. Uh, brain ticking in a different way from, you know, the start of the chapter. She starts to think strategy and plotting and more politically. And, uh, but we all know where that go- gets her. Well, I mean, but at the same time, God, think where the fucking Starks would be without her. My right. God. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Floundering around. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's... <sighs> I don't... You know, I have done that. Okay, what if she stayed home business? But that doesn't really change much i mean but like if she had never married into the starks period like if they had had somebody besides catelyn tilly like everyone looks at her weird for being like hey close the door <laughs> like so no one overhears us like come on guys this is basic <laughs> right i mean no i mean i was just saying like you know that sort of okay what if she didn't go but it still would go i mean the problem still would happen. I, you know, at this point, there's no way around this. Well, you got to think Littlefinger just would up the ante somehow. I mean, what he's trying yeah. to do is create a reaction from the Starks. He wants the Starks to react and to attack the Lannisters or in some way move against the Lannisters. That's what Littlefinger right. wants. So if he hadn't gotten it this way, he'd have just done something else to get the same right. reaction. And the end result probably would have been the same. I mean, right. 
you know, and Kat's right. She is the one to go. I mean, she she actually makes the right call here, I think, because you need someone with credibility. Yeah, you can't send the servant. You can't send the 14-year-old boy who's the heir. I mean, there is no one else to send. She likely knows. She doesn't really think it, but she must know that (laughs) she needs to tell Ned, kind of, kind of walk him through how to react to this. I mean, like, right. you can't trust Ned to make the best call. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, Especially not is, once he's in King's Landing. It's like a huge secret that she's got. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, you've got these people in the, wherever they're in the room who are swearing their, their secrecy, but, you know, you're not going to send Theon, you know, you're not, I mean, who are you going to send? So it's got to be her. So yeah. it is the right call. But and, at the same time, oh, God, it just gets worse from here. You just, it's just Richard. like she's like trying to like, like scoop water up in her hands or something. It's just like every time she tries to make a scoop and save more of her family, she just loses more. Well, it's mm-hmm. like she's, she's not even using her hand. She's using like the equivalent of a very, you know, a colander with very big holes. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's what she's got. I mean, she doesn't have a lot of options. They don't have a lot of options at this point. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's just the from the moment she even, like, looked up and realized, like, oh, I have to do political things now. It was already way too late. Like, <laughs> little finger was counting on the North being sleepy in their political machinations. And he was right. Yeah. I mean, that's the big picture, right? Like, we're contending with little finger who's been thinking about this long and hard. Probably for quite a oh my, while. For like 14 years yeah. at least. <laughs> he's got like, you gotta, you gotta think he's got like 15 backup plans. Yeah. You know, this is not a man who just has his one big scheme. No, he's got like plan after plan after plan. And, and it's right. not like he has Netflix. I mean, he spends all his time. <laughs> right? Could you imagine the plotting and scheming we could accomplish if we didn't have Netflix? <laughs> we could get George to write that book. <laughs> now just imagine if George didn't have Netflix. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the internet in general. <laughs> yeah. And a passport. <laughs> okay. Um, are we ready to move on to the end stuff or... Any last parting shots for this chapter? I'll take that as a no. Mailbag, I guess. <laughs> okay. We have exactly one comment. And Anon on Tumblr who said, Last episode, you guys talked about how Ned and Kat neglected to be to betroth, betroth their kids. Mm-hmm. Like, put yourself in their shoes. Who would you match with Rob and Sansa? Would you have Southron, is it Southron ambitions, or is there someone in the North you'd look to? Hmm. A very interesting question. I, I like this one. Um, um, I have an answer for this. Alright, let's hear it. I, if I were Ned and Kat, I would have had Rob and Alice Karstark <gasps> together from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yes! <laughs> um, she even mentions later in one of the stories that she had come to visit Winterfell and the idea was to get them together, but for some reason, they never followed through on that. The parents never followed through on it, which to me, I'm like, that's a fic I would read. Somebody invent a yeah. reason why that didn't happen, because I can't see why it didn't happen. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't know, though. What do the Karstarks, I mean, like, pre-war, 
what are the Karstarks going to bring to the start? You want, like, like a major think, like, house, right? Yeah, you think with Cat involved, it's going to be a more southern-looking type match as opposed to some of those old-school, you know, northern matches. I don't know, though. Because the well, girl's going to come to him, too, because he's inheriting, so... If you're going southern, or hmm. southron, or whatever, I never know how to say that. Um, S- southern. You, you southern... Southern. Just a mixture I, of the two. I, yeah, I never listened to the audiobooks, so I have no idea. But, um, not that that You don't want to no trust him season. anyway. <laughs> no, but I mean, alright, so, are you then playing a political game? Because none of those houses that, you know, Rob always gets matched with, um, none of those houses border the north. You know, those territories are kind of deep. I mean, people put them with Marjorie or whatever. I mean, so then, okay. Yeah, that makes no sense for them. Pre-war, why would they ever? Right. Yeah. So I mean, it would make. I would think for a. Like I think would think for Rob, it would make sense to have somebody who's one of the other northern bannermen or whatever to sort of yeah. cement loyalties. Also, Alice, talk about badass. That's what you have ran yeah. for. That is Alice Carstark. <laughs> she is one of my favorites. Um. But with Sansa, I think you could go out yeah, I mean, the north. Yeah, that's honestly what the girls are for. You you send them south <laughs> for, yeah. the, for the deals. So you think Joffrey would have made the most sense then for Sansa? Like uh, not knowing anything about him? If that's as ambitious oh, yeah. as you can go, yeah. right? If they could pull it off, yeah. On paper, it's a good match. Like, they're... I mean, yeah. But there are other houses, there are other families with, with sons. I mean, it depends where you want to go. Her cousin makes sense, right. too, even though it's gross. Yeah, I mean, it's, Sweet well, Robin. I mean, that would be a good match, politically. Exactly. Maybe a better match for Arya in terms of age, but... Yeah. yeah that's true. Poor oh, Arya. Yeah. Could you imagine that marriage? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. But... No. Or he'd have a fit, like being annoyed with her or whatever, but I don't know. I mean, I could see, I mean, that she often gets in a fic, a lot of people pick one of the Tyrells. That's not out there. I mean, that's, that makes kind of sense, more sense than, say, Rob. Wait. It's like one thing the Starks need is money, so I think if they were looking north, they probably would look. I don't know, like Manderley's maybe for him if they wanted. Oh yeah, Manderley's. Yeah. I mean, the Karstarks are just poor as church mice, and, and really, what are they going to do but support the North? Other than after Rob drags them into a war. I mean, like, well, I mean, like <laughs> after that point, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would be surprised if it, if it was in the North. I would think with Catelyn influencing, I think Rob and Sansa in particular probably would have had Southern marriages. Um, now, for the younger ones, yeah, I definitely could see, you know, making northern alliances. That would make the most sense. What about Robin Marcella? Because <laughs> she's like... Yeah. That, that would also make sense. That's a big fic thing, you know, Robin Marcella. Yeah, I've written it. It's cool. If I do system myself... <laughs> But I mean, again, that makes sense on paper, and you gotta figure. It's like, oh God, it's like when you see friends where, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if our kids grew up and got together? Or they used to say crap like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I, I guess I'm basing my matchmaking on is just thinking about 
Ned and Robert and being like, our kids should so be, you know, hooked up. And I don't see why, I don't see why they would turn them down either. Well, they don't. No. But yeah, I mean, no, there's no reason to turn down Joffrey aside from, like, on paper, he's a really great, the best match you could possibly imagine for your eldest daughter until you realize he's a monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I mean, Whoopsie. I think, I think that's why usually these things are sort of like, you do have the sort of, um, Alice star close to Winterfell, you yeah. know, or whatever. You have a kind of meet and greet kind of thing, and then you go, yeah, no. Right, well, and that's also the advantage to making a northern match for your um, heir, is that, like, you know the family that this kid is coming from. You've probably met her several times. She's come to your, like, holiday parties or whatever <laughs> it is that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, they know this girl, and they can kind of be like, uh, more sure of her character as like the potential lady of Winterfell. Well, and you can shore up your alliances. I mean, you can yes, shore up sure. your relationships with the potentially treacherous. Well, and now know. that you mentioned, uh, Manderley, the Manderleys have granddaughters. I was like, oh, maybe that's why Alice Karstark wasn't like a lock. Maybe Kat or whoever was like, but Willa Manderley, how about her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the Manderleys have money, so I, I would think that yeah. they would probably be the more likely, I mean, as far as what the Starks need at the moment. It seems like, it's funny, they don't talk a lot about it, but you just kind of get the feeling that they're a little bit cash poor. I don't know why I think that, but. And isn't, um, isn't House Manderley on the, uh, the sea there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you have, rubber. like, Winterfell, which is a little more inland, matching up. Again, this whole idea of borders and whatever. I mean, I'd have to think you're thinking of those things, whereas your daughters, you could definitely send away. Yeah, for sure. And don't forget they've got these other kids. And before all this goes south, literally um, and figuratively, I mean, Kat's talking about potentially having more kids. So you have three or four sons to you have that ability to kind of. I mean, I know this sounds callous, but to kind of parlay them where you will or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pass them out like candy. <laughs> just like Walder Frey. <laughs> oh, my God. Walder Frey. You notice bad. he's never in the nobody wants to be. Nobody wants his, his offspring, which, like, can you blame them? No. <laughs> no. Uh, yep. It's no Frey. wonder he has to resort to killing people just to, just to get people to marry his grandchildren. <laughs> I heart is like no. <laughs> no poor dramas. Okay. Well, I mean, there's Walda. Oh God, Walda and Rob. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Rosalind. Well, this is true. Or Robert Gatehouse Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see Cat not being down for that. <laughs> All right, I like that question. That was a good one. Thanks. That's a good one. Thanks, Anon from Tumblr. Um, I think that's gonna bring us to the end of our episode. So, in oh, close, what, 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 what? There's what? something that happened today that you probably don't know about. Oh God, why do you do this to me? <laughs> okay, what is it? Okay, is, so is this season um, seven? It is, isn't it? No, it's actually not. It's oh. season six. Um, there was um a little bit of a video clip released today um from the commentaries for episode eight of season six last last season um 
Nikolai making some comments along with Mark Mylod and Essie Davis, who were also on the episode with him. And he pretty much said, well, I don't know, have you guys all heard about this? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah, he pretty much says that Jamie loves Brienne. So, yeah, what? so everyone knows. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> I, blow my I almost cried when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You, you have to listen to it to really appreciate it. Yeah, but the, but the fact that he's even able to say that means that there must be something going on that's going to happen soon. You would hope. You would I mean, have... we hope. We hope. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> you can never hope too much with the show, but you know. Oh. But uh, another thing about that, um, cause was it Gwendolyn or was it Nikolai that was his birthday or something and they tweeted something and Gwendolyn just tweeted like, uh, um, like never too, never too late or something, and then it was like a kiss emoji and then a sword emoji. <gasps> and I kind of asshole. Wait, <laughs> what is she talking about? What you know? you, this is what we do. Yeah. What does that mean? Why do they play with us like this? I know. Because they know they can. <laughs> Assholes. They know we're out here waiting on tenterhooks for like verbal compromise. <laughs> No, they probably. I mean, <laughs> they may not. So, like hearing this, so ironic. <laughs> hearing this, chicky. This has has this allowed hope to blossom in your breast. <laughs> well, I mean, like I always have had hope for the books. I just, you know, I mean, it's the show. You just never know. If That's what I'm uh, specifically citing the show. <laughs> I mean, we know that they're going to have a scene together in season seven, so... What we yeah, don't, don't know, know is if it's Larry and Brienne or Jamie and Brienne. Yeah, you never that know that. That is the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If that, a scene like that, if one we're all hoping for, it does happen. I'm just going to have to compartmentalize things and just enjoy it as best I can. Yeah. Stupid fucking Larry Lannister. <laughs> 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 Oh, well, thanks for that bit of news and me squealing like a child. Okay, so <laughs> we love getting your messages. Please send them to us at close the door and at gmail.com or reach us at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Uh, like, subscribe, and recommend this podcast on all the things, iTunes, Google Music, and any other platform you may enjoy this podcast on. Support us on Patreon and you'll get episodes early. I know I have a couple of RPGs that are going to be going up soon. Um, thank you, Daphne and Ellie, for joining us. Lovely. Lovely to chat thank with you. Thank you. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. And thank oh, you, Daphne, for staying up till the middle of the night. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> always bed. appreciate it. Go to bed. I'm used to it now. Yep. <laughs> thank you, oh, Chicky, and thank you, Kama. Thank you a lot. You're welcome. All right. I'm going to close the door. Get out.